0: This is an MPB Think 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 Radio radio podcast, mpbonline.org, MPB Think Think Radio. radio.
1: Good morning, good morning. Ain't it a great morning outside? Feels good, looks good, smells good, is good. We're going to be talking about gardening because it's that kind of weekend. Boy, oh boy, there are a lot of things going on right now, too, but not so many things that you can't breathe in and breathe out a little bit out in the yard. I'm a horticulturist, Felder Rushing, and for the next little while, hour or so, we're going to be talking about pawpaws and azaleas and lawns and trees and flowers and vegetables and shrubs and potted plants. Whatever you want to talk about that's related to gardening. It's really easy. I'm laid back. I'm an expert, but we don't have to go there if we don't want to. Horticulture's fellow rushing Mississippi Public Broadcasting, the Gestalt Gardener. We'll be back with it right after this.
0: MPB. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. MPBonline.org. MPB Think Radio. Think Radio.
1: Where's my stick? I lost my stick. I can't find it. Welcome back, folks. Horticulture's Fella rushing, and I have a a touchstone, I guess. I carry a stick with me all the time. It's a little piece of black bamboo. Oh, about... 14, 15 inches long, and um, I carry it with me all the time. This probably has over a million miles on it. I take it to lectures. I take it to um, vacations. I take it when I'm driving. I ta- play with it in the yard. It's just a little thing I hold in my hand that makes me feel like i got a little bit of a grip on something. Plus, it's really handy for lifting up leaves or moving things out of the way if I'm taking pictures. Oh, I found it. It's on the floor. Hang on just a second. Let me get it. Ah, there it is. Yes, 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 yes. I got this this stick back again. Anyway, it's it it's good for moving stuff when you're playing in the garden, you know, if you if you don't like snakes and stuff, you know, to sort of rattle around. But also in the mornings when you're walking down to get the paper, it's good for keeping spider webs out of your face. So I know it looks kind of creepy and all, but it's just one of those little things that, you know, some people have a a little seashell they keep in their pocket. I carry a little stick with me. And uh, couldn't find it, starting to freak out there. Anyway, for the next hour, we're going to be talking about gardening. Gardening. I use my stick in the garden all the time. I poke holes with it, and again, I move things with it. Sometimes if I'm taking pictures, I need to lift up a limb uh, that I can't quite reach without moving away from my camera. Just one of those oddball little things. There's a lot of stuff going on this weekend garden wise. Uh n- no plant sales that I know of. All there's going to be a really fun one next weekend. Uh the one that they always have uh down in in uh in Lower Eastern LA, Eastern Lower Alabama. Uh they have a a, a real nice one at the um, Uh, weeks bay nature reserve it's down in safe harbor which is right across highway 98 from the the reserve down near between fairhope and foley alabama they have all sorts of stuff you know native trees and shrubs and even wetland plants you got perennials and hummingbird butterfly plants it's something they have every year but again that's going to be not this weekend but next weekend friday saturday and sunday october 7th through the 9th so uh, don't head down that way just yet uh, I'm going to be uh, coincidentally down on the Gulf Coast on the 15th, I believe. I don't have my calendar with. Anyway, Saturday right after that, where I'm going to be talking about gardening from the back of my pickup truck. Uh, we'll talk about that another time. Main thing is, we're starting to get ready for State Fair. State Fair is going to be starting pretty soon. And uh, in, uh, next week, as a matter of fact, you can take plants down to the state fair and enter them in the flower show it's real informal sponsored by the 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 garden club well it used to be the men's garden club i think they call the gardeners gardeners of america now but anyway i used to do this every year it's really cool you take some potted plants down there the day that the thing opens tuesday afternoon the day before it opens anywhere from noon until about seven o'clock or so Tuesday afternoon, that's October the 4th. You take some plants down there, just clean them up, get the leaves out of them, you know, move the frog, you know, take the little tinsel stuff off of it, but clean it up. Take a plant or two or three or four down there. It doesn't cost anything to enter, and they actually give ribbons with cash prizes for it. I mean, this is kind of a a, a, a cool little thing. Some people take advantage of it take lots of plants down there. If mean, you get a blue ribbon, they give you five bucks. Red ribbon, three bucks. It's not hard to get a red or blue ribbon with a plant that's been cleaned up and spruced up, you know, not with a leaf shine and all that, but, you know, just cut off the bad-looking stuff and spruce it on any kind of plant, tropical plant, potted plant, hanging basket, whatever. But if you're interested in that, uh, you just take your plants down to the uh, to the north side of the trademark, the, the High Street uh, entrance, the, the Loading Bay area, or the, the uh, trademark building at the State Fair. Again, from noon until about 7 Tuesday afternoon, and uh, the folks in the garden club there will help you with that. Kind of fun. And uh, it's a good way to to get involved without all the stress of having to belong to a garden club or something like that. Anyway, we're going to be kicking around some more ideas. If you know of some events coming up that are garden-related, let me know about them. Shoot me an email, and I'll sure be glad to to, to cover them. No problem at all. Anywhere uh, within reasonable driving distance of Mississippi. You know, Louisiana, Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, uh, you know, we can we can handle that, but anything in the, the Mid-South and this part of the South, let me know about it. Uh, by the way, uh, I talked the past couple of weeks about a fellow up in Memphis named Adam Guerrero, whose garden was under attack of being criticized by a neighbor, and the city inspector decided that they needed to shut the boy down. And uh, he had flowers and vegetables in his front yard, rain barrels, vermicompost bins, you know, where he grows uh, uh, beautiful compost in boxes with worms in them that he just feeds vegetable and leaf scraps. Uh, Beehive, you know, the whole thing, a nice little urban farm, everything but chickens, as a matter of fact. I'm surprised he doesn't have those. Anyway, long story short, a lot of people rallied to his defense. Seven eight thousand people signed a petition the judge felt a little pressure on that, but he said well, it was no brainer. He said the judge says I'm a gardener. I get it. I do the. I pull weeds in, in in our own garden. I know it. He said it wasn't the garden. It was the scale. He had 14 worm boxes. They looked like coffins out there. Uh, a lot of rain barrels. You know more than you know. You could you could flood Shelby County with them. So uh, anyway, Adam agreed to neaten stuff up which he did, well, with the help of some friends. He, uh, you know, we put a, a nice little garden accessory out in his front yard garden to make it look like it was done on purpose, a little piece of a fence-looking thing, um, straightened up his rain barrels, uh, consolidated his worm boxes, and, uh, you know, just, and, and he had some tire planters. He filled them with fresh compost and sowed some lettuce seed over it. So, in other words, he got a grip on it, and the judge said, this looks good It's an example of the community. Not only did he win, but a lot of people also got involved, which is a win-win thing. If you're thinking about having um, alternative stuff in your garden, give me a call. I can help you with that. There are ways to do just about anything that's legal. And if it's not illegal, that means it's legal. And it's not illegal to have vegetables and herbs in your front yard or rain barrels or Or chicken coops in most places in the state. Some places, Greenwood says you can't have chickens, but I bet they could change that. But if you want to do something a little bit alternative, uh, maybe no grass at all in your garden, maybe you want to stop mowing or or, or whatever, uh, give me a call. I think I can help you with that because there are ways to pull it off. It's being done in the upscale neighborhoods all the time. They just know the tricks of the trade. Be glad to help you with that. This is a call-in program. If you're listening on Friday, it's a repeat broadcast on Saturday. But if you want to give me a call, uh, go ahead. It's a toll-free number, 1-877-672-7464. We'll announce those numbers again, but if you have a hard time with that, 1-877-MPB-RING. Be glad to talk with you. I've got a fellow coming up I'm to chat with in a few minutes about unusual fruit for the backyard, some of you may know Tom Mann. Uh, he's with the Museum of Natural Science by day, but in the evenings, in the mornings, in the weekends, he is a hard core back, front, and side yard gardener. And I had a question about pawpaws. I want to run by him, and he's in the office, so we're going to chat with him in just a few minutes. And, of course, the uber cheesy music coming up. Uh, one of the emails I got this past week is from Bill, in. in uh, he lives in South Haven, just south of Memphis. He said, we have a night-blooming cereus that looks like it's half dead, but it's bloomed earlier this year. Now it's getting ready to bloom again. It's got 18 or 20 buds on it. Is this usual for a scraggly old plant, or is this the year for something like this? Now, by the way, night-blooming cereus under the best conditions, is, is a scraggly-looking old plant. I don't even know if scraggly is a word, but if you've ever seen it, scraggly, straggly, scroggy, whatever you want to call it, night-blooming cereus is a uh, – well, it looks <laughs> – it it makes me look like I've got I'm having a good hair day. I mean, it is a scraggly looking plant, but when it blooms, the flowers open at night. They open up uh, just almost suddenly. It is pure magic. This time of year is when they bloom. They bloom normally in the woods where they live. They're 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 tropical woodland tree dwellers. So sort of like Spanish moss, they live up in trees, epiphytes. And when they bloom, uh, it's after a dry spell, and when the temperatures start getting cooler and the days get shorter, which is what we're having right now. So that's what's happening. Just got a really good little thing going on, and um, and just need to enjoy it. When I was a kid, my great grandmother used to make us sit on her front porch. That was she didn't have air conditioning or anything. She was a horticulturist. and she made us sit out there in the evenings waiting for this thing to bloom. I have cuttings off for of her night blooming cereus. And it wouldn't bloom. So we had to come back the next night and do it again. I'll never forget that. But when it opened, when those flowers opened, it was pure magic. This plant needs no care at all. Watering four or five times a year, and that's about it. So anyway, that's just one of the emails I got. I also got an email from Jimmy who says he has a wisteria vine and a fig tree he bought in containers this summer. When can I plant them outside? And folks, if it's in a pot and it'll live outside, you can plant it anytime. Time. If you want to go ahead and set potted plants out now, shrubs, trees, vines, whatever, it's a good time because the soil is somewhat diggable after the rain. Dig a nice wide hole, loosen up the roots in the potting soil when you pull the plant out of the pot, stick it in the ground, and cover it with a natural tree leaf mulch, and it will do fine. It'll do really well. This is a good time to plant stuff. Garden centers don't have a huge supply of trees and shrubs and all because they tend to Order new stock to start coming in in December, January. Good time to dig a hole and stick something in the ground, though. We're going to take a little bit of a break, folks. I'm Horticultures Feller Rushing. This is the Gestalt Gardener on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. When we come back and we're going to talk to uh, a fruit guru named Tom Mann. Again, Horticultures fella Rushing, glad you're joining us this morning. <music>
0: an MPB Think Radio, think radio podcast MPB. mpbonline.org Online.org. mpb think radio, think radio.
1: Alrighty, welcome back, folks. Again, Horticulture is to Rushing, and you're listening to the Gestalt Gardener here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. And I think I've got Tom on the phone. Tom, are you there with us? Yeah, Felder, I'm on. Good morning. Hey, man, good morning. I'm really surprised to catch you in your office this morning because it's a pretty day to be out tromping along the, the coastal uh, dunes. It
2: is, but it's also there for months in paperwork.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's a government thing, ain't it? Yep. Uh, Tom, you work for the uh, for the museum. Is it Natural Science Museum or Museum of Natural Science?
2: Museum of Natural
1: Science. I never can remember that. And uh, your 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 boss, Libby Hartfield, is one of the, the hosts here on MPB with Creature Comforts, right. and you you've been on that program as well as this one.
2: Right. Usually in salamander season, but then. Yes,
1: salamanders. Hey, by the way, I have geckos. Want some?
2: I've got Bokus geckos. That's our <laughs> entertain Without a TV, that's our principal entertainment at night on the windows.
1: You know, the, a lot of people don't realize because these things just started showing up the past few years, I guess. But they they chirp like a bird.
2: They make a, There is a, a high pitched but low volume sound that those good ears can hear probably has to do with reproduction or territoriality or whatever, but you do. I hear it in my garage all the time. Yeah. But you need a good ear
1: for it. Yeah, but, you know, at the it same— It won't keep you awake. No, it won't, but it, it's just a pleasant thing. If you sit outside, you know, and, and I've, I've got a nice fire pit and a waterfall. I spend a lot of time outside, and I just listen to them, but they've completely cleaned up all the roaches that were in my garden.
2: They can't eat a big roach, but they can eat the little ones. So they're well, a pretty good roach filter in that sense.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, they have completely disappeared. I used to have them all around my back yeah. deck and my compost. No more. I was picking up an iron cowbell the other day that's sitting on one of the decks, Turned it over to see if a wasp nest is was in it. There's a big, big, fat gecko in it.
2: Yeah, also the young of the year kind of disperse out from the from the walls of your house. You may see them under pots, things like that. We see them all the time.
1: They, they can't make it through the wintertime if you have a Not hard winter. Not away from though.
2: the buildings. I call them edificarian, EDI. Edipharian, Edipharian, because they really are tied to our warm buildings. Yeah. A
1: little bit of a Well, it's, it's kind of creepy. I'd rather have one of those running across my ceiling than a roach any day. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, what, what I'm calling you about the, is she is shot me an email the day. You sent me a picture of a gulf fritillary. What a cool, cool – it's not a great big butterfly, but what a really good one. Really common right now, really neat. Yeah, I got an email from somebody who said they had these these little black and orange hairy caterpillars eating up all the the leaves on her her passion vine. Yeah. What should I do? I said, leave them alone. know it's not going to kill the vine. They turn into that beautiful fruticillary. Yeah. But, uh, but you, had, you had sent me along that. You said that, that your pears are about over because, you know, you're, you're a backyard, side yard, front yard fruit grower. You're still picking musket eyes and got lots of figs from uh, from uh, one of your varieties. So I still
2: have one fig variety still producing some figs. It'll produce in the first week of October. Isn't it? In, in and y- I don't know what it is, so I can't help you with that. I don't I know <laughs> where I got it. <laughs> and I can give you a piece of it, but I don't know what it is.
1: Yeah, somebody asked me about rooting uh, figs, and they root pretty much just about any time of year, don't they? I think so. I've had a great deal of success,
2: with it, even with the in the summer, you break a twig off and pull all the leaves, but the terminal two off. Put it in water and keep it out of direct sun, and they usually root. Yeah. Or you can do it in the winter too. With a um, probably later in the winter would be would be better with a um, a leafless branch tip.
1: Yeah, yeah. You you say it looks like it's going to be a pers- good persimmon year.
2: Yes, for mine. And I think uh, you know Jerry Hutchinson grows more in around here. I think his were off this year. Maybe the drought knocked things back. I'm not sure. Maybe last year's drought plus this one. But my crop, for whatever reason, is pretty good. So.
1: Well, the, the, main, not really
2: quite ripe yet.
1: the main thing I want to talk to you about, you grow all different kind of fruits, including, and, and I even I hesitate to mention this, that you grow uh, kumquats and limiquats in the ground in yeah. central Mississippi. Yeah, they look good. Yeah, but I hate to recommend that because somebody else is going to try it and it's going to freeze.
2: Yeah. Oh, and mine ought to free too, and then they come back. <laughs> but this is a good year. This looks like a good year so far.
1: So, in other words, when it's a good year, you talk about it, the rest of time, just let it slide, right? I think,
2: again, in Jackson, in, a warmer place, in these urban heat islands, they would do better than I want. I in mean Clinton, in a low place. But um, I, yeah. we get by. We do. I eat them every year from the ground. So.
1: Well, I, I did a, a presentation. I worked with some master gardeners at, at an event downtown forest this past summer, and they've got a little park down that's been landscaped, and they, had tr- they have uh, – Mulberry trees as landscape plants, and those things were loaded with fruit.
2: Yeah, mulberries. Yeah, sure.
1: But but yeah. as as a as a, a regular landscape tree, I mean, yeah. I was really surprised. Again, it has
2: berries, and folks and the birds will carry the the berries away and defecate where they do, and you're going to have mulberry stains all over the place. Yeah. So they may just drop them. But so there's that.
1: Yeah. But it's a beautiful tree, and I mean, yeah. I'm talking about just load of fruit, and people are wandering around. And I said, you know, you can eat those things, and they act like I was crazy. They're just like little raspberries or blackberries on the trees.
2: Yeah, if you don't look too careful and see the little bugs on them. They're fine. <laughs> and the more squeamish aren't going to. If you have good eyes, just eat them.
1: Don't look. Well, speaking of bugs, Tom, the main reason I want to call you through I've been trying to get you on a lot because you know, but with your work, is uh, uh, you know, you 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 spend a lot of time looking for turtles. Uh, down down along the coast with the Natural Sci- Museum of Natural Science, but I got an email this week from somebody who wants to grow a pawpaw tree, and I was raised with a pawpaw tree. We have a pawpaw in my great-grandmother's garden that's now my brother's garden, and it, it you know, it, it, they're native to here, but it only has one or two fruits a year because it's all by itself. Doesn't it need some kind of weird bug or beetle or something to pollinate
2: it? There are some small beetles, and very small beetles and flies that may be essential to pollination of those, and... I can't tell you which one, which ones they might be, but they're small. Honeybees don't do it. Uh, mm-hmm. Small things, and there is issue, to, you know, the need for cross pollination. So you probably need more than one variety. Yeah. And they need to be about five years of age or older uh, and, and producing flowers to to hold more yeah. fruit. But mine begin to produce fruit from seed, from seedlings, seed rather, growing growing them from seed. They start producing fruit by five years of age.
1: Yeah. And there are a lot of different kinds. A lot of I was just up in uh, the. I, I was at a uh, Mother Earth News Fair uh, up in the Allegheny Mountains this past weekend, out from Pittsburgh, and uh, there's a fellow selling all different named cultivars of pawpaws. It's a it's a pretty yard plant, you know. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah, I have tons of them. Once they're, I've written this down, I forget when, but once they're, say, 10 or so years of age, they begin to produce suckers as well. In fact, if you find a patch in a wild paw, patch in a wild longest, usually along a stream terrace, you'll see them in numbers, and most of those are probably mainly suckers. They're coming up from mature plants, they're not suckers, and those come up. In other words, you can produce much fruit unless there's a break in the canopy or a stream where they can get enough sunlight to actually stimulate that. Then you get fruit, but not... Not in an unbroken canopy.
1: Well, th- and this is one of the plants that'll that'll actually take a kind of a low, almost a wet area in the landscape. You have trouble yeah. growing other stuff. I yeah, see I live them. in Yazoo. Mine do fine. And, yeah, and yours is downhill from from everything else. So I noticed along the uh, you know, when, when I, I walked the the terrific nature trails back behind the museum here in Jackson, they've got some huge pawpaws down yeah, along the long. The,
2: those are better soil, actually. Those are the, the nice um, alluvium in the um, river. Uh, bottom there, and they're much better soil-wise than mine are on my Yazoo.
1: But they stay wet in the wintertime.
2: time. Well, the, in some places the water doesn't get up; it doesn't flood. It doesn't flood for long. The places where most of the trees are. Yeah, well, uh, but it, you're and, right. It, they they stay
1: pretty moist. Well, Tom, you look at, at fruit plants first of all as fruit producing, but these are nice looking yard plants.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, the foliage is beautiful in the fall. Nice, bold, yellow, gold, yellow. Really nice. Except last year. It was too dry, and they fell off early, and I missed that. But usually, they just, it's a, for a week or so, it's a nice golden um, yeah.
1: ball. Yeah. You, you think popo is something that's, that's worth people planting in their yard, but yeah. but they need try to get a couple of different name varieties maybe?
2: Yes. Uh, and as with anything that can produce suckers, you need to be be ready to, to s- mow. The same in your <laughs> lawn or wherever you don't want them. So yeah. those things, plums, include the sucker, you always have to... Um, that, just keep that in mind. If a sucker tells them whether it's sucker, so they're ready yeah. for that. So but,
1: by the way, do you grow any, any palm granites?
2: I have a few. Okay. Uh, not many, and actually I got a fruit this year. For the, I don't know which ones they are, yeah. but yeah. I got a few a few fruit this year for the first time. But uh, we picked 100 pounds plus of pawpaws last year, maybe 70-ish or so this year. I picked the last one, or picked up the last one off the ground last week. Yeah. Um, but multiple varieties are good. If you can get it, there's a seedling from Louisiana, from Arkansas, that they were growing in uh, the, at the test plots at the LSU until a couple of years ago. If they still have those, that's the one to get. Great big guy. Uh, the seeds are comparatively few. Um, the flesh is is just delectable, and really nice. How, I, I had one pound fruits this year.
1: How one would, pound? The one pound fruit. They look to me like um, like like fat, misshapen. Peanut-looking thing, or a potato, or a potato, or yeah. A manatee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, can you describe the flavor?
2: No. It's, it's, it's. I mean, we 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 seem to be in this culture wedded to. The, it's got to be a peach-like thing or an apple. The few things that we know, the temperate things that we know, or even a banana—not temperate—but the things we know, we compare everything to those, and this is outside of all those. It's just different. It's it's exotic. It's a complex flavor. It's sweet. The texture is custardy, but it's not. It's uh. It's more
1: banana than custard, but not. it's yeah, like it's, like it's like not, an not a
2: refreshing banana. fruit like say um, a mango would be yeah. or an apple or something. But it's a really complex flavor.
1: Native plant. A hundred years ago, farmers' markets used to have all sorts of just trays and trays of these things, and huh. they and they, they they grow. They're they're and and I still see them at farmers' markets in the Pacific Northwest. All up, you know, when you go up north where they've got you know, uh, hardcore old timey farmers' markets. No, just, well, I don't know of a different species, but, uh, you know, you get up in Kentucky and all like that, and they have named yeah. cultivars of pawpaw, which is a native fruit. It's a native oh, yeah. fruit. Biggest native fruit. So, anyway, maroon flowers, if you're a bulldog biggest fan. Biggest edible fruit. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. Uh, do, what what kind of pests bother yours?
2: Uh, I just read on the Internet here that deer don't eat them, but that's not true. Deer <laughs> do eat the leaves. Again, deer eat almost everything, at least uh, until you said they can't, they do. Yeah, yeah. But, um. Otherwise, not much. There, is, there is the um, butterfly. The, um, shoot, what's the, um, sw- uh, the swallowtails. Yeah, with
1: something. the with the with the the big caterpillars, but that's no big deal. No, no, no big deal. That's, that's, that's no big deal. deal.
2: But otherwise, nothing really. But when they're ripe, when they finally ripen, raccoons and possums start to gnaw them. I really don't have as much trouble with those species on pawpaws as I do on the uh, native muscanines and on the um, uh, pigs. the love yeah. pigs.
1: And you, you, you. Put nets over all that.
2: Yeah, what's, but I don't bother netting these guys. I just don't have an issue with it. And again, I don't pick them off the trees. I wait till they fall and pick them up.
3: Yeah, they're well, ripen
2: on the, on the counter for a day, and they're fine. They, they tell you by they smell really good when they're ready.
1: Wait, what's that? A pop off. Oh yeah, oh yeah. In uh, the common name custard apple, you know, but
2: it's yeah, it's related to tropical, Same same genus, I guess. I'm in the in the or um, related genera Anona. In the tropics that are called custard apples, so that's kinda of where that comes from.
1: Overall, this has been a good home fruit year? Yeah.
2: Drought notwithstanding it's been pretty good. Blueberries are way off, off about half, but uh strawberries are off a little bit too. It's just been I mean two dry year really dry years in a row.
1: Yeah. Well after a real wet spring too, they got everything really lush and the then all of a sudden it fine, turned off.
2: Fine period. Of year.
1: Yeah, what what about the salamanders? Has it been a good year for salamanders? No,
2: they're all in hiding right now. I'll find out about a month when it starts to cool off and get wet again. We'll see if I see the guys. I usually see in the <laughs> winter coming up, but can't tell you yet. ground's still too dry. Even when that twelve inches of rain we had two weeks ago. Yeah, and I was curious if you were sitting out back after that because the mosquitoes have been something else.
1: Uh, what what you called winged phlebotomists?
2: Winged phlebotomists. That's right.
1: <laughs> the mosquitoes. a uh, Mosquitoes. They they're so they're so great this uh last week i was working outside the t-shirt i came in and they had eaten my back up so much i took a picture of it in a window in, in the mirror because yeah. i just want to see how bad it was it's
2: never been like this in my yard in the years we i guess we've lived that time it was 20 years now it's,
1: yeah so. and, and you don't have a water garden and all that kind of stuff no
2: no just they're, mes- they're, they're, they're there
1: <laughs> yeah mosquitoes you know some people say well you can't do this or that or the other because it attracts mosquitoes i'm thinking shut up we got them anyway
2: I took a a tour from Mil, uh, a Millsaps class out behind the museum yesterday, and they were pretty bad. Uh, oh but yeah. well, we got by.
1: We, yeah, good year for fruit. Yeah, Excellent day. Well, listen, man, I I really appreciate. It. I'm, I'm glad I caught you in the office today. And you, know, you say you're you're playing paperwork catch yeah, up paperwork at the end of today. the day. Yeah, this is the reason we make the big bucks, huh, my friend? <laughs> <laughs> listen <laughs> to, to your sweetheart wife. I said, hey, okay. All right, thank you, brother. Thank you so Have much, Tom. Day. Appreciate it. Alrighty, that was Tom Mann. He's with the Museum of Natural Science, but uh, he's also a home fruit grower. And have I got some music for this. This is the cheesiest music I've ever found. This is going to irritate some of y'all to no end. Uh, we're going to listen to this and come back with m- more of the uh, Gestalt Gardener. Um, but I also want to mention that next weekend there's going to be a native plant sale down uh, east of Mobile, across, across the bay from Mobile. If you want to get down around uh, the Fairhope area, between Fairhope and and uh, uh, Foley, Alabama, right across Highway 98 from the reserve is a place called Safe Harbor. Weeks Bay Reserve's 19th annual native plant sale, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, October 7th, 8th, and 9th. Tell everybody down there I said hey. Uh, uber cheesy music coming up in honor of Pawpaws. Hope you like it. We'll be back with more of Gardener here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting right after this.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Susie where oh where is dear little Susie where oh where is dear little Susie way down yonder in the pawpaw patch picking up pawpaws put them in your pocket picking up pawpaws put them in your pocket picking up pawpaws put them in your pocket way down yonder in the pawpaw patch Come on, boys, let's go find her. Come on, boys, let's go find her. Come on, girls, let's go find her. Way down yonder in the pawpaw patch. She's the queen of old Hawaii. She's the queen of old Hawaii. She's a queen of old Hawaii. Way down yonder in the pawpaw patch, picking up paw paws, put 'em in your pocket. Picking up paw paws, put 'em in your pocket. Picking up paw paws, put 'em in your pocket. Way down yonder in the pawpaw patch. Come on, boys, let's go find her. Come on, girls, let's go find her. Come on, boys. Let's go find her way down yonder in the pawpaw pad. She will teach you how to hula. She will teach you how to hula. She's the queen of all Missoula. Way down yonder in the pawpaw patch, picking up pawpaws, put 'em in your pocket. Picking up pawpaws, put 'em in your pocket. Picking up pawpaws, put 'em in your pocket. Way down yonder in the pawpaw patch. Come on boys, let's go find her, come on boys, let's go find her, come on boys, let's go find her, way down yonder in the pawpaw patch.
0: This is an MPB Think Radio radio podcast, mpbonline.org, MPB Think Think Radio.
1: folks i uh, hope that one doesn't stick with you through the whole weekend i'll try to make amends my boss lady says i got to make amends next week because that was pretty cheesy uh, before i go to a uh, nicole in vicksburg let me mention this somebody uh wanted to know ec wanted to know how to propagate monkey grass from their seeds and i don't know i don't know never have grown them from seeds they're so easy to divide and to multiply that way instantly um but if you'll send me an email i can try to find out if if they are propagated from seed I'll try to find out how. I just know commercially they're done by dividing the plants and repotting them and filling them out that way. So we'll see what we can find out about that. If you'll shoot me an email, garden at org. Now, Nicole has been hanging on forever from Vicksburg. Hey, Nicole, good morning.
3: Hello. Thanks yeah. for taking my call. You
1: bet. Sorry. What's up?
3: So um, I'm a first-plant gardener, and this year um, we uh, I, tried to excuse- do too much. And one of the things we did was put in – a raised bed. It's uh-huh. about four feet by eight feet. Yeah. Um, it's right by the street so we wanted it to be real pretty so I put in a bunch of annuals, petunias and snapdragons and they were real pretty for a while and then it just got dry and yeah. hot and they withered and I think we need something that needs a little less water to yeah. handle the sun. Yeah, yeah. Any...
1: Well, I, oh, I got tons of First of all, you on a speakerphone? Um, I have a, a Skype. Okay, 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 gotcha. Um, first of all, don't give up. The first year is always bad. I don't care what kind of gardener you are, horticulture, whatever, the first year with raised beds or gardens or anything, the soil isn't mellow, and it takes a year or so for, you know, of digging a couple or three times to really get, you know, where stuff grows well in it. So, you know, don't give up right there. Uh, second thing is you need to choose plants that like our climate. Snapdragons are an overwinter thing down here they're over the summer up north and in cooler places but they're over the winter here um I, I have a book i'm not trying to promote this i'm just saying you can go to the library and check it out called tough plants for southern gardens it's got a bright red cover and it's got the kind of plants that love what we call you say this is down by the street it is okay uh-huh. this what horticulture call called the hell strip because it's reflected heat and and you know it's just it's just terrible on a lot of plants uh, Lantana will take it real well. You can grow daffodils in the wintertime, pansies, violas. There's a type of kale, K-A-L-E. Kale does really well over the wintertime. And there's one that's purple that the colder it gets, the darker purple it gets. But see, so there's several things you can plant between besides violas, daffodils, pansies, kale. Uh, also, if you like herbs, uh, you could plant um, – uh, oh, and just drawing a blank. What's that little stuff they put on the side of the plate? Parsley. Parsley grows great over the winter time here. Okay. And then that'll get okay. you, you know, at least through the winter time. And great. then and for for next year, you know, shoot me an email. I'll give you a will tell you what, go to my website, net, okay. and on the right left-hand side it has a thing called articles and stuff. And and if you'll click on that, it's got a a list of really good uh, annuals and perennials for our part of the country.
3: Great. Thank you so much. Okay.
1: Don't give up, Nicole. Thanks for calling. Okay. I hope that helped her a little bit. Let me see. This blinky button right here takes us to Joy in Mobile. Hey, Joy, good morning.
2: Good morning. I planted three seeds from a um, yellow, four uh o'clock. Uh-huh. Two of them came back pink and one came back yellow.
1: No. Is that usual? It, it, it sort of is, unless you're growing, were, were they growing near other four o'clocks?
2: Probably.
1: Okay. Because they cross-pollinate, there's a big moth that comes out at night. It's the it's the hawk moth. that's the adult of the tomato hornworm. It's bigger than a hummingbird. comes around at night and cross-pollinates these things. So the only way to get them true is to grow it out for several years until you only have, you know, saving the seeds of just the ones you like until, you know, you, you get out the the, the genetics of the other varieties. But if they're if you collect seeds from a mixed batch, it's no telling what you're gonna get.
2: Well I wondered if the seeds that I collected from my yellow plant this year would come back yellow
1: or not it could so be it's a
2: gamble huh
1: it, well it's what happens is uh, it's a genetics thing you know and you know if you've got some some people have stands of all one color and that's all the genetics that's in there so that's all it's going to get but the sea it, you know if they were near any other colored uh four o'clocks and they got cross pollinated that affects the seeds so you know you if you will just thin out only the yellow ones year after year eventually they'll all be yellow well, thank you you okay, do Good luck on it Four o'clock so one of those plants It's called uh, Thomas Jefferson Call it the miracle No the marvel of Peru It's a terrific plant Blooms in the evening Great hummingbird plant Right before dusk Hummingbirds gorge on these things Then this big moth Comes out at night To pollinate them Terrific Old south plant Great heirloom Pass along plant Let's go to Coffeeville. Hi Krista Good morning Good morning How are you
2: Good How are you
1: today Good, what can I help you with?
2: I have a question. We have um plums growing along one side of our garden near the river.
1: Uh-huh. Wild plums? plums-
2: they, well, they're actually domestic. We got them from a friend's house, but they came up from suckers or uh-huh. else voluntary. Right. But they produced really well for about two years. They got you know sizable and produced a lot of plums. And then this year, they all had these brown spots on them, and they seemed to rot and fall off.
1: Well, this here's, here's a problem. Plums and peaches uh are are subject to a lot of insects and diseases, worms and diseases. Most of the time the plums being kind of a slick fruit aren't gonna be as affected by it. But when we get a real wet year, like we had this back in the spring, uh the pathogens, the fungi, things like that splash around and the longer the the, the more often the plant the fruit stays wet, the more likely it can get infected. See, so it might have just been because of the real wet spring when the when the plums are just starting to fill out followed by the hot, dry weather affected the the tightness of their skin, that kind of stuff. So weather can play a big role, is what I'm saying. Okay, so would it be advantageous
2: at all to cut the plums back a whole lot, or should I just leave it and hope for a, a little bit drier
1: well, environment? You know, it's with any kind of fruit, it's going to be a gamble from year to year, but what I would do is definitely go out in the wintertime and thin them out, you know, so they're not real, real thick and cluttered. Cut some of the, the small suckers down, and the ones that left, take out a few limbs here and there, so just kind of open them up a little bit so they have more air circulation, and that way the, the fruits and all will dry out a whole lot better.
2: Right, just like I do with
1: my pears. Exactly, okay. exactly. Except with, with pears, you want to prune them more into an upright tree. With these, you want to open up the center of them. You know how they have a lot of cluttered limbs right in the middle of the tree? Just cut some of them out and don't think about which one, just whichever one feels right. Thank you. Okay, good luck. Lo- oh, and I might want to mention this. Somebody says you ought to spray these things. I would not recommend it because the spray, the fungicides are preventative. There's not a one-shot thing. You, If you're going to spray, you need to spray every week or two, and that's a lot of sprays, and you might have a good crop anyway, so I would not recommend spraying once or twice.
2: Yeah, we organic, so we don't yeah. spray Well, e-
1: even if there's an organic spray, it's a lot of trouble. Unless you do it all the time, you might as well not do it at all. Excellent. okay Krista thank you you betcha. Uh, one of the emails I got this this past week is uh, from uh, Philip Batten he said I have a seven-year-old sago palm and may it developed a fuzzy beige basketball size thing on the top somebody said it's a bloom or a fruit what is it what can I do with it should I cut it off is it edible uh, well uh, it, the, you what you have is a is a flower it's not a flower sago is not a palm but it's they're, they're sort of a flower uh, and they have male and female. Male have these cones. Females have this big basketball-looking thing. And um, it's not edible. Most parts of the sago are poisonous, except you can make a a, a flower uh, out of the 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 trunk, the inside of it. There's a sago flower-type stuff from the trunk. But uh, if it got pollinated, then inside that little that yellow thing will have some seeds that are. Big, big, nice, shiny, fat seeds, and you can grow new sagos from those. But no, they're not edible. And then one other email real quick. This is from Millie McKee from Chunky. Uh, Millie said, can you tell me just how fat lighter pine is formed? Why is it some pine trees form fat lighter when they die and others don't? Fat lighter, that's the pine knot. You get an old pine tree. Uh, That when it finally dies and decomposes and just rots down to nothing, there's a a fist-sized knot of wood in the middle of it that is so dense, so heavy, so rich with resin, you can light it and walk around like a candle. I keep bits of pine knot in my pickup truck, just shave little pieces off to start my fires with. It's wonderful stuff, but it's the dense, condensed center of an old tree, uh, this uh, the essence of the tree, it's the, sort of the heart of the tree. Unfortunately, the modern variety, the ones grown for, for, uh, for forestry, are grown real fast and harvested while they're young, and a lot of times they don't have time to form this wonderful, dense, resinous knot. Uh, We've got um, a call about bamboo on the road. We're going to take that when we come back from a break. would like to mention that today I'm doing a presentation at Millsaps College. They have a forum, uh, and I'm doing a thing from 1230 to 130 today at Millsaps College on green roofs and other fun eco projects in the garden. Green roofs, rain barrels, composts tough plants, all that kind of stuff. This can be at Millsaps College in the Ford Academic Complex from 1230 to 130. It's free. Hope to see you there. I'm also teaching a one-shot class next Monday night on winter container gardening at Millsaps. If you want information about that, just need to go to Millsaps.edu. One-shot winter container gardening flowers, vegetables, and herbs that love cold weather. Some horticulturists fell to rushing. You're listening to the Gestalt Gardener here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. And we're going to talk with Marion about bamboo And we come back right after this.
0: MPB this is an MPB Think, Think, Think radio. radio podcast. MPB. MPBonline.org. Online. MPB Think, Think Radio. radio.
1: Okie okay, dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulturist fellow rushing, and Marion has been hanging on forever on the road. Hey, Marion, good morning.
2: Good morning. How you
1: doing? I'm fine. What's up?
2: Uh, a neighbor planted some bamboo.
1: The running kind. Uh, uh,
2: yeah. Oh, boy. And uh, they planted it for a hedge, and now it have crossed five yards oh, yeah. uh, you know five uh houses over into my yard and it's growing up under my pear tree
1: oh yeah this this is the tough bear. unfortunately there's not much you can do about it coming from somebody else's yard unless you get over in their yard but what you're going to need to do in your yard and i hate to say this because it sounds like trouble but it works is sometime over the winter take a shovel and where it's coming from from your neighbor's Cut straight down. Just make a, you know, if you want to make a little ditch, when the, you know, when the, when the ground is soft enough, it has a hard time crossing even a, about a six inch deep ditch. That'll stop it from coming into your yard. And the stuff that's in your yard, you can spray it. You can pull it up. And it, and it's not doesn't have real deep roots. It's that it's got like a runner right under the ground. If you pull that up, then that gets rid of it. Otherwise, you have to, you know, you can go around and brush. You know about Roundup. Yeah. you can use Roundup, coordinate direction, no stronger, and you can just uh, you can just wet the foliage of it. And where it's coming up around other plants, what you can do, put you on a plastic uh, glove, and then get your cotton glove over that, and just you know, just soak it in some Roundup stuff. So you got like a, a glove full of Roundup, and just caress okay. all those plants. Just just run your run that glove full of Roundup up the leaves. and That'll kill it, roots and all, without getting it on your other plants.
2: Okay, I have cut it down to ground level. Yeah, and
1: it'll come back.
2: uh, Yeah,
1: yeah, it it keeps coming back. Yeah, Uh, the the only two ways to get rid of it. One is to pull it up, which is a real chore. But you know, it's not so bad in the winter time. But the other thing is to when the new growth gets about knee high or so in the spring. Uh, again, yeah. uh, the easiest way is Roundup. Not going to hurt your other plants. It degrades into to safe stuff. But put a plastic glove on, then a cotton glove, and then just you know put Roundup on the okay. glove and just stroke it. That'll kill it, roots and all. Okay.
2: Uh, I just thought of one other question. Yeah. Uh, I have a plum tree that that um, it's been in my yard for like eight or ten years, and it never blooms.
1: Never? Blo- not does even bloom. Never bloom mm. let me let me suggest this this is uh because I don 't know why they you know plums should do fine, they should at least bloom here uh this winter time. Go out with a saw and thin out some of the limbs you know that you know how plums get real thick uh oh, yeah. the tree if you'll just cut some of the limbs out of the middle of the tree, just you know thin them out maybe as much as a third of them, and really open the tree up. A lot of times, that's all it takes is to just stimulate a tree into to blooming. A lot of times, it grows so thick that they would rather grow than flower. Okay. So, you know, what commercial growers do is they, they cut them, you know, they thin them out really, really hard just about every year. So that it looks like, okay. you know, if you're holding your hand up with a, with a ball in it and with your fingers pointing straight up and take the ball out, that's what the right. peace trees look like when commercial growers get done. They clear okay. out all that middle stuff. It's a little bit of work, but, you know… Is not as much as that bamboo's going to be. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: Good luck. All right. All That's, right. Appreciate it. You bet, Marion. Thanks for calling. Whew. You know, folks, there are bamboos that grow in clumps that don't spread. Hello. Now let's go to a Gordon. Gordon, you calling from on the road somewhere?
2: oh uh, yes. Good morning.
1: Good morning. What's up? Um, I've admired a tree in California
2: that I know is uh uh. Sort of general, generally can be grown in my area. I live in Los Louisiana. Uh-huh. Uh, it's called a pepper tree. And it Bra- has a lacy kind of leaf structure, very beautiful big tree, uh-huh. and it does have a fruit which looks like a pepper. Yeah. Is I don't it- think it's edible, but it, is, um, it looks just like a black
1: pepper. don't know. Uh, I, I work a little bit in, in California and in Florida, and they have a thing called the Brazilian pepper tree. You think that might be the same one?
2: Well, the Brazilian pepper tree is... Uh, very invasive
1: uh, Yeah, yeah, or so seriously invasive ones. But but if that's if that's not the same thing, I, you know, I, I would need more information about it. Okay, but, well, but, I just
2: had tried to uh, germinate it from seeds, which I just picked up off the, off the ground. Under yeah,
1: the picture, and yeah. I
2: couldn't get it to germinate.
0: So well, I don't.
1: I tell you what, go. You know, if you can shoot me an email about it, you know, I've, I I I have resources like you wouldn't believe to find stuff out that I don't know. So if what? you can shoot me an email about it, then I can sure find some stuff out.
2: All right. I appreciate it very much. Okay,
1: man. Appreciate your call. Uh, by the way, that's garden at org. Now, let's go to uh, to Pedal. Hey, Bobby, good morning. How you doing this morning?
2: Well, cutting oak in a flannel shirt this morning. in order oh. to convince them Yankees that that's a hot weather plant in this kind of weather.
1: Uh, yeah, and without the and, and without that flannel, this stuff will eat you up, too.
2: Yeah, I had to get used to that. Yeah. My um, problem is I've got uh, two rows of okra I planted back in April that have done fine, and i got two more rows that I planted on up in July that are doing fine. But the pods themselves, last couple of weeks, they, most of them are getting little brown spots and warts, kind of little little brown warts. Have you n- all over them right in the middle. Do you know what that is, why it is, and what I can do about
1: it? Have you seen stink bugs out there?
2: Well, these bugs all kinds,
1: yeah. Yes. You think it might be bug bites? Yeah, stink bugs. Uh, you know, they're sucking insects, and, and when they puncture that little pod, then uh, a lot of times it'll, it'll make a, a little knot and it'll form, you know, because you know how fast okra pods grow, and if anything, you know, bothers them when they're small, that exaggerates when the pod, you know, gets bigger.
2: What would you do to get rid of them?
1: It's not easy. Stink bugs are really hard to control, even with chemicals. We don't even have any good chemicals that'll kill those things once they're mature. Uh, when they're and the problem is there are no insecticides that are labeled for use on on okra because you harvest them so fast and that pod will soak stuff up. So um, I don't know. You know, when it comes to those things, you know, you could try spraying the trunks of them to keep ants and stuff from going up and. But as far as spraying on the pods themselves, I don't know anything that's going to kill a mature stink bug that's safe to use on, on okra because it's like a sponge. You don't want to – You wanna...
2: them early in the year, I guess. Yeah,
1: or, or, or pick them while they're small. You know, if they're getting big enough to have bumps, you're not picking fast enough.
2: <laughs> okay.
0: You well, know,
1: those, you. those little beating ones fry up a whole lot better. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. Stay cool. Uh, okra i grow a variety called burgundy it's got burgundy flowers i mean burgundy uh, leaves foliage, stems pretty little pale yellow flower pretty plant and the the pods themselves are burgundy red when you cook they turn green though Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on this this time of year Uh, fairs farmers markets things like that Uh, i haven't heard of uh, of any plant sales other than one that's going to be next weekend, October the 7th, the 8th, and what is it, the 7th, 8th, and 9th uh, down at at Weeks Bay, which is uh, on Highway 98 between Fairhope and Foley, Alabama. They can have all sorts of native trees and plants and uh, dune plants, hummingbird, butterfly plants, and all the proceeds, by the way, benefit the reserve environmental and educational activities. It's a good thing. Also, again, at 1230 today on Friday, if you listen on Saturday, sorry you missed it, I'm doing a presentation at at 1230 uh, in the Ford Academic Complex at Millsaps College. It's on green things in the garden, fun projects, fun projects, clotheslines and water barrels and compost and green roofs and all that kind of stuff, tough plants, that's free. Monday night, I'm doing a one-shot thing on winter container gardening, herbs and flowers and vegetables that love cold weather. That's a one-shot thing Monday night at Millsaps College. If you want information about that, go to Millsaps.edu or give them a call and ask for the uh, continuing education or adult enrichment or their night classes, that sort of thing. Uh, yes, ma'am.
0: Uh, we got an email from someone who said she re- received flowers that they were told were tiger lilies, but they're orange, yellow, and burgundy. And she thinks that tiger lilies are only orange.
1: Um, that's a good question. Uh, the the true tiger lilies are only orange. Uh, the native ones are only orange. But there may be some cultivated varieties. You know, I've seen purple coneflower that's white. I've seen purple coneflower that's orange. I've seen purple coneflower that's, that's uh Purple. So you know, they they'll take native plants and come up with all sorts of cool varieties. So if you want the real thing you need to go a place that advertises the real thing. I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing. You've been listening to the Mississippi Public Broadcasting locally produced program called the gestalt Gardener. We have other programs throughout the whole week from nine o'clock to ten o'clock weekdays here on public broadcasting. So if you want to give us a call about any kind of topic at all, we got some local folks to help you out. Meanwhile, go to MPB online and see what you can find on our website. A lot of cool stuff there. If you get a chance to get out this weekend and get dirty, I recommend it. It's going to be a great one. Get dirty from head to foot and show a kid how to do it, too. Again, Horticulture's Felder Rushing. We'll be back next week, same time, same place, here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting.